No Junk Mail presents Hairy Nation Part 3, read to you by James Von Felt. We left off with Garfield, Loggenschlater, in a terrible mess down in Hairy Nation. And even though his bruises were mostly his own doings, things were getting worse by the minute. The deal was this. Garfield was heading for the altar, bridegroom to Emmy Loy, or, if he somehow could get out of town and back home, he would be publicly embarrassed at the election for county supervisor, which included part of Harry Nation. It's a no-win situation, to say the least. We last saw Garfield in the reception line, tipping the cup of hospitality on Frenchie's porch and things were getting fuzzier and fuzzier by the minute as the sips of moonshine added up. Meanwhile, Emmy Loy is ferociously putting together a trousseau, that is, all the frilly things women put together in a box right before the wedding night. And that's when it's happened. Some twenty or so of the McAllister clan, who, by the way, had not been invited to the festivities on purpose, well, they came riding up to the house, shooting their guns in the air. They were there not to celebrate nuptials. They were there specifically to get even with the Hatfields, especially Frenchie, who had led his clan east over into McAllister's area early last spring, when Frenchie's supplies of hooch ran out. Frenchie and a company of good old boys just rode up and loaded several barrels of hooch, the good stuff too, straight into their wagons while the men folks were out spring plowing, and all that without even a good day to ya. Well, payback time is here. McAllister's had word of Garfield, the miracle husband-to-be of Emmy Loy. Frenchie's oldest daughter and figured this was perfect get even. They got the clan together and rode hard over to Frenchie's without a definite plan, but with intent to do something. So here they are, guns firing and everybody running every which way. And the clueless Garfield sitting on a box in the porch, wide-eyed and fuzzy-headed from all the excitement. That's when two of the McAllisters decided to kidnap Garfield. They quick-like jumped from their horses and grabbed him by the arm and tried to get him on one of the horses, which didn't work because he was so short and fat. Next, the pair simply mounted their horses and each one grabbing a hand with Garfield between the horses started riding out of town. They lifted Garfield off his feet and proceeded east as fast as they could go, which was not very fast as he contributed dead weight between the horses. Meanwhile, Emmy Loy, who was not fooled for a minute by the distracting noise and commotion, she ran to the window just in time to see Garfield carried off and disappeared into the darkness down the trail past the clearing. In a split second, she went from martial bliss and nuptial excitement into a deep, violent rage. In three steps, she grabbed up Frenchie's thirty thirty rifle, a box of shells, and a skinning knife, which happened to be by the back door. 
three steps, big ones. Remember, Emmy Loy is over six feet tall, skinny, and nothing but muscle, which turned mean as a wild dog. From moon-eyed, wetted bliss to flash-eyed, ferocious killer dog, just like that, and out the back door. Since the celebration was in process, all the invited participants who showed up on horseback had put up their mounts, meaning they took the saddles and bridles off, if they had any, and put the steeds out on the corral. For an instance, Emmy Loy considered a horse, then being of clear mind and full of venom, she decided to pursue on foot, as it would take precious time to catch one of the horses in the corral. The dust had not settled on the trail, and now Emmy Loy was in hot pursuit in the moonlight. Her physical endurance was legendary. Emmy Loy had been known to outpull a mule on a plow back when the horse disease struck and the horses were down during plowing season. Well, the folks that could pulled the plows, and Emmy Loy showed her strength and endurance in that crisis. And now the crisis of all crises was upon her, and she was meeting it one adrenaline-filled step at a time, which began to overtake the marauders. Back at Frenchie's, it took a while for the people to come out from under the porch, behind the bushes, from the woods by the creek. Eventually, they figured out that Garfield had been kidnapped, but in the excitement did not miss Emmy Loy. Frenchie, being of clear mind, sized up the situation and set out a plan to get Garfield back. He found half a barrel of hooch and two empty barrels and they filled them with water. The men loaded the wagon, and eight riders went with him to barter back Garfield, if they could find him. So, after an hour or so, they set out, following the tracks east through the woods by a full moon. Meanwhile, Emmy Loy was within eyesight of the marauders. At first, her plan was to slit throats and shoot every single one of them. Then she figured that Garfield would possibly be made a shield for two or three, thus losing the battle. So another plan began to form in her mind, which was clicking away like a computer. Emmy figured they would have to stop soon because the horses were getting tired. The excitement was gone, and they would want to survey their prize. Sure enough, the run slowed to a walk. And when they got to a big clearing, they stopped and put their heads together as to what to do next. Curiosity got the best of them, and they dismounted, which would prove to be a dastardly mistake. They all gathered around Garfield in the moonlight, making disparaging remarks as they poked his big belly and taunted him to fight like man, which he refused to do. With all this attention to Garfield, no one noticed Emmy Loy creeping into the clearing. No one noticed the horses slapped and sent off into the woods. As the fun was starting, Big Joe McCulley, the fierce fighter and recognized leader of the bunch, who had kicked the butts of every other McAllister, felt a sharp knife at his throat, and his arm twisted behind him, about to break. His worst nightmare, 
maniacal Emmy Loy had him, and he was about to be butchered like a hog. Well, it's time to go. I'll finish the story next time. Gotta feed the chickens and do the rest of the chores. So that's it for now. From where the corn grows tall and pigs fly, take care. All my love, Grandpa Jim. <laughs>